Monday. 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 Open wide, dev fans. Get ready to stuff your face with JavaScript, CSS, Node modules, barbecue tips, Git workflows, breakdancing, soft skills, web development, the hastiest, the craziest, the tastiest web development treats. Coming in hot, here is Wes, Barracuda, Boss, and Scott, El Toro Loco, Tolinsky. Welcome to Syntax on this Monday, Hasty Treat. We're going to get moving with Framer Motion. We're going to be talking a little bit about this library and why it is so cool. And one of these libraries that you're going to want to check out, uh, at least give a try and just see how it can improve your understanding of animations within your React code. My name is Scott Tolinsky. I am a developer from Denver, Colorado. And with me, as always, is the West Boss. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. I'm going to start one time just by saying, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Hey. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by LogRocket. That's L-O-G-R-O-C-K-E-T dot com. And you're going to want to check out LogRocket because it is the coolest service to really understand how the bugs that are happening in your code are actually happening. Their tagline is stop guessing why bugs happen. And really, that describes them so well, because what LogRocket does is it gives you a session replay, which is a pixel perfect video replay that's scrubbable with events to let you know exactly what happened in your code uh, when something went wrong. When a bug happens, well, it takes a, a session replay of that bug happening. It even gives you access to the Redux store at the time, the Network Activity Console logs and errors and all sorts of really cool stuff to give it you that visibility that you so desperately crave when a bug happens. No more, hey, uh, what exactly did you do to cause this uh, bug? Hey, my website turned purple. How did it happen? Well, now here <laughs> you can watch a video and see exactly what that user did to manage to turn your site purple, whatever it was. Uh, it's really super cool. You're going to want to check it out, logrocket.com forward slash syntax, and you're going to get 14 days for free. That's more than enough to at least have a bug happen and allow you to solve this bug with LogRocket. So check it out, logrocket.com forward slash syntax. Thank you so much for LogRocket for sponsoring. All right, so you are jumping into Framer Motion. I know really nothing. I know what it is, and and I've checked it out a few times, but this is really your wheelhouse. So what, did they just release something new, or is this something that you recently got into? Yeah, to preface this a little bit, I have been doing quite a bit of animation work, as as we know. Uh, I released an animating React course on React Spring, and I've absolutely loved working in React Spring for a long time. So, you know, I've been planning on doing some sort of intermediate level animation course coming up here, right? And I, I, I've just been hanging out and watching everything, and I decided to give Framer Motion a try while I was waiting for the next version of React to Spring to drop. Because I, last time I had actually really taken a hard look at it was when it was still Pop Motion Pose. And so after playing with it, I was really enamored with the syntax of it all uh, for at least at least especially, um, you know, interface, simple animations. Not to say that it is a simple base library, but the ease of which it is to be able to create some very simple animations was really impressive to me. So the more I dove in, the more and more I became impressed with it. And so I decided to do a course on level up tutorials, which is going to be out February 29th on Leap Day. 
Uh, it's going to be out on Leap Day and it's going to be Get Moving or no, that's the name of this episode. It's just going to be on Framer Motion. So because <laughs> of that, I've just been having such a fun time playing with Framer Motion overall. I thought we could talk a little bit about it and maybe lay out some of the the differences, a little bit of what it is, you know, the difference between this and React Spring, maybe what Framer Motion can do for you. I think the the best way to get a, a good handle on Framer Motion, without even looking at the syntax, really, is even just looking at this framer.com forward slash motion. And there's just a lot of good examples directly on this front page. They do even show you the, the code here. And the cool thing is, is that there's these open and sandbox buttons next to them. So I love that kind of stuff where you can just pop over to code sandbox and give it a try in a real world environment and see what it actually looks like in some real code. So a little bit about Framer Motion. What's the what's the the four one one here? Is is really that it used to be known as Pop Motion Pose. This was a a library that largely focused on sort of scenes where you had various scenes that you would change between. And to be honest, as much as I liked Pop Motion Pose, it was never my favorite way of doing animations. It felt like I was writing a little bit more code than I would have liked to write for really basic stuff. It was simple enough, but it was never my favorite one. And once React Spring dropped their React Hooks versions of like use Spring to do physics-based animation, I was, you know, totally sold on that. But the new pop motion pose, which is Framer Motion, is really focused in my mind on simplicity. You're going to see sort of simplicity, ease of use, just largely at focus here. If we're talking about designing APIs that are, are developer-friendly, this to me is the gold standard. This API is so developer friendly. I'm just looking at some of the code examples here on framer.com forward slash motion. And it just, just looks like writing like inline CSS in React. It's basically writing a couple of props. It's everything I've ever wanted out of a uh, animation library. You know, the worst part about Angular was at the time it wasn't the worst part, but looking back on it, uh, it was the whole, the way that animations were done, where everything just gets a before and after, before start, after start, whatever classes, and you got four classes to work with to write all your animations. And yeah. that's largely what React Transition Group did as well. Yeah. One of the reasons why I never liked using React Transition Group and went right to, you know, something like React Spring or any of the other options, React Motion, is using render props, although that API was really difficult to parse. Um, React, yeah, React Motion was a great, li great library, but... Not a developer-friendly uh, API, in my opinion. So uh, this library also uses physics-based animations. So there's spring-based animations as well as duration-based, ease-based animations. So it's not just one or the other. So you do get access to that sort of physics-based stuff. And the spring-based animations are, are the defaults. Now, one thing I, I don't like about this is that their defaults are a little aggressive for me. They're a little bouncy. So oh, okay. Uh, Compared to React Spring's defaults, I find myself changing the default a lot more often here. But, you know, it's minor. So Motion was previously Pop Motion Pose, where you had different scenes. So you'd set up, like, the open scene and the close scene, and then you toggle between them. Sort of sounds like, uh, what's that uh, David K. Piano uh, state, state Flip. machines? X-State. Oh, yes. And state Sorry, machines. Uh yeah, sorry, I thought you were talking about flip animations, but yes, the oh, machines. Sure, yeah. So you basically would have like two versions, and that's fine, but again, like for really simple animations, it seems like overkill. However, this like this idea still exists within Pop or Framer Motion. It's just a little bit 
it's not like the default, the easiest way. It's it's just another tool that you have. And it's a very, very powerful tool once you get to use it. So what's new here? Basically, you have a whatever element you're using. Think of like styled components, right? You do style.div, style.h1, style.paragraph, whatever. You do the same thing, but with motion. It's motion.div. And if you're using styled components, you would just extend that, you know, motion.div within your styled function, right? Oh, I see. So it really doesn't get in the way too much. At the end of the day, all you're doing is replacing a div with a motion.div. And that makes it really easy to implement pretty much anywhere. I, I, uh, I didn't have any trouble implementing this. I use styled components all over the place. And uh, the big key is that you have this animate prop. And so you have one single prop that's called animate. And that prop allows you to set various values. And if any of the values change within animate, the thing animates. So if you have a toggle, you just change that toggle in the animate and it's going to toggle the animation and it's automatically going to interpolate, do everything uh, within the animation. The cool thing here is that the API made it really nice inside of animate or any of their other animation things where you're not thinking about CSS properties. I'm not thinking about transform, translate, 3D, and then three variables. You're only thinking about the X coordinate, the Y coordinate, scale, rotate, those kind of things. You could do scale X or, or something like that too. But if you want to move something to the left, you just animate the X value to a positive value. The reason being is that because it, this, what this does is, is basically a lot of the times people don't realize that you shouldn't animate properties like left or um, yeah. the padding or the margin, right? Those are going to lead to some janky animations. You should pretty much only animate a few things that being, you know, transforms. So translate scale, whatever. And even at that, you should do those in the 3D environment so that it utilizes your GPU, but also the opacity. Um, I always hear that, that people always say like only transform and opacity, but like, like color is obviously fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Color's fine. What about font size? You know, I don't know about font size. I would probably use scale, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's true. Like, why would you want to animate a font size? Because that, that would like push everything over, right? Yeah. 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 So you have this sort of live prop you can think of animate. You change any of the values. Everything's going to change. But a lot of times animations are used with an initial state. And for that, there is the initial prop where you can say, okay, initially this thing is at zero opacity and then the animate value is one. And then that way, whenever that component mounts, it goes from zero to one, animates super easy, right? Also, there's an exit prop, but the exit prop is also for an exit state for unmounting states. And this needs, for you to be able to use this, you need a wrapping component around that. There's a little bit around there with the syntax you might want to look up. Uh, it's a little bit hard to express over radio. So, like I said, this whole thing is all about making difficult stuff easy. And one of the things they make really easy that I like is gesture-based things. So, for instance, to, to make something draggable, you simply add a prop, drag. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> it's, it's super easy. Uh, you can say drag X, and then it's going to allow you to drag on the X coordinate of this thing. Or you can give it a drag constraints and then it's going to constrain itself to a specific div. Uh, it's really super cool. Oh, man, this drag and drop demo is so cool. <laughs> it's so slick. Go to the website and check this out. Yeah, 
There, there are so many neat little demos here that are so slick. Uh, the fact that it makes this like draggable stuff this easy, you don't have to bring in anything else. It's just super nice. Another thing is, is working with uh, gestures and uh, events like hover and tap, those kind of things. I always had the issue with frame or React Spring where here I have this animation that's taking place on mount, right? Or this animation is taking place. But then I also want to give that same item a hover animation. So I would do the hover animation in CSS and you have to add a transform but if, or a, a, a transition. But if you had a transition to that same thing, then it's going to goof up the physics-based animation because all of a sudden you have a transition on it while it's doing its spring-based, JavaScript-based animation and the whole thing gets really messy. So what I really like about this library is that it handles the hover events too, like while hover or on hover. Yeah. Um, and that way you can change the, the CSS properties without having to worry about whether or not the animation is complete or whatever. It all interpolates correctly based on whatever you're using. So this library handles it all rather than uh -huh. just the animation part of it. So for things like drag and hover and scroll, are you able to hook into these um, and like w when something does drag? then do something? Is that what it's, or is that not what it's meant for? Like, is, totally. it, is it meant to be made for UI components that you actually, because I'm just looking at this, it's just a div that you drag and that's not accessible at all. I can't even select it or anything, but is that what it's made? Is that what it's for? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of, not only is there, you know, events for on hover, on drag, whatever, but there's also like hooks that like things that are fired once this has ended, once it started, um, while it's currently doing this, this is going to run on pan, on pan start, on pan end. There's so many different events here that you can really tap into the whole process. Uh, on drag. Yeah. So it's, it's like any other man. This is like jQuery UI for React. This is great. The API is just about as fantastic as it gets here. Uh, there are some <laughs> downsides to this this library, which I'll go over at the very end. But at the end of the day, I, like this API is uh, the sweet spot for me in terms of like, let me handle the stuff I want to handle, but like, don't make me write a whole bunch of extra stuff I don't care about. Yeah. It also gives you like really good control over all of the properties. So like some people might look at some libraries like these and be like, okay, but I, I have very specific animation tastes. You say, okay, well, you can change uh, the easing. You can change the durations. You can change the type of animation, whether it's physics based or anything like that. It gives you the ability to do all of that. There's actually, it's funny because you mentioned accessibility. There's a whole section on accessibility in their docs. There's like a whole section on it. So oh, yeah. uh, they, they have thought about accessibility here. It's fantastic. There's uh, also the uh, the idea of variance. So variance, as we we talked about with pop motion pose, what it is, is it's sort of like state machines where you have various states of your application and you can have as many of these as you want. You have various states. So let's say this thing is open or closed, right? You could have those two states and maybe on open, you want five different things to animate. And typically in the past, that would involve changing one state and then doing like a state toggle on all five of those different things. But this allows you to pass that variance object into all of your different motion components, right? Yeah. Let's say you have five different things. You just pass in the variance to all of those different motion components. And then on the parent, you just tell the parent which variant is currently active right now. And they all just go off and do their own thing and make it happen. Uh, the variance stuff is super powerful for orchestrating a lot of designs at once, uh, something I've been really into. Cool. 
Um, so this is this is just React only. This framer motion. Yeah, and and it does do it does the animations outside of the React context. So honestly, I don't remember if Pop Motion posed it that, but that was one of the things that I really loved about React Spring is that it took the uh, animation basically out of React to them so that React wasn't worrying about the animation, not trying to control it to make it as performant as possible. And then Framer Motion has either already did that before or followed suit here. I honestly don't remember. Uh, yeah, because there was a Pop Motion pose for View. Yep. I remember it being like just like a low-level library and then there was adapters. But it seems like this Framer Motion is now only for React at the moment. Maybe they'll come out with a a view in the future though. Yeah, my understanding was that Pose was the library. Yeah. Yeah, I think Pop Motion Pose was the library and it was like straight up just JavaScript. Yeah. And um the creator of it was like, well, the API can be a lot nicer if I make this a little bit more because there was like the Pop Motion Pose library for React and the one for View, and then there was the other one, uh, like the the parent one. And I think this is just like well, how nice can the API be if everything is done straight up in React, uh-huh. right? You'll have a lot more control over how cool the API can be. Uh, it also works with CSS variables and SVG paths. I'm just and- looking at that. I'm inspecting <laughs> Element on all these things and expecting it to be embedded Flash or something like that. And it's all CSS variables. It's all, yeah, it's all very, there's so much cool stuff in here. The docs do a pretty good job. I have some trouble finding some things occasionally when I'm looking for them. Uh, but for the most part, there's a lot of good examples in the docs. I, I do like in this like orchestration bit when you setting up your variants and your animations. One of the cool things is you can so you can have one one transition happened and then you can say, all right, this transition transition should happen before the children. And then you stagger the children by 0.3 seconds. And then this next one will happen after the children is ran. It's like you can get really into the nitty gritty of it and you can do some really dynamic stuff where these same variants, these poses, they can actually be a function rather than just a straight up object. And that function can get properties. So one of the cool examples they have for this in their example thing, imagine in your mind's eye, a grid of 100 squares, right? Just 100 by 100 grid. Yeah. But you want it to animate starting at the middle right square and then in a circle out from that middle right square. This can happen that way based on some funky math that you're doing, but you have the the freedom. So one of the things that I really like about this is it's straight up focused on simplicity first, and then you can get into the crazier stuff if you want to, but it's not putting the crazy stuff front and center. It just makes everything really easy. Interesting. And what, and what is Framer... X again, remind us, how is that in relation to this? Yeah, so Framer X is a UI design application. Uh, yeah, that outputs React or or is built with React? It's built with React and you, I honestly, I, I have to look into it a little bit more. When it launched, you could have React components that you could import export, but they had to be React components from the start it wasn't like you could draw a div and say, hey, export this div as React. Yeah, that could have changed by now, but I'm not sure. Uh, I know that their animations within the library or within the application Framer X are actually all done with Framer Motion. So the oh, Framer cool. Motion is powerful enough to power a legit desktop application like that prototyping tool. So there's so much we haven't gotten to on this. It's, it's one of those things you're going to want to check out 
just to get a handle on. Even if you are already like, I'm good with React Spring, it does the hook thing. I think that Framer Motion is an, also an excellent tool to have in your tool belt. I'm a big fan of both of these libraries still. I don't want to say like, oh, this is the, the, the promise land or this is the promise land because I think Framer Motion is probably easier at the end of the day. I think it's probably easier to do some stuff. I think React Spring also has its strengths. It has a lot of really nice low-level tools. It also is much smaller in terms of KBs. You know, this this has got those KB toys, but it's not the full amount of KBs. Let's see. Let me pull this up here. <laughs> Who remembers KB? Do you guys have KB toys while I'm looking this up? KB toys. What is that? Uh, It was a toy store. It was primarily found in like outlet malls. <laughs> or the, oh, the no, I've, I've been to one of these in the States though. I, okay. I know what, I know what you're talking about. So yeah, shout out to KB toys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So the KBs on this thing, it's 80, uh, 80 kilobytes pre gzipped 26 kilobytes gzipped where I found react spring to be about half of that. So I think it was about like 12 or so KBs. React Spring gzipped. So you're, you know, this library is twice as large as React Spring and it really shows in the API. It really does a lot more for you. But that said, you are paying for that ease of use by having a larger library. And I, I think to me, honestly, I think it's worth it. I actually went and while I was doing my research for this latest level up tutorials course, I rewrote all of the library or all of the animations on level up tutorials to be in <laughs> frame or motion. I, lo I love uh, having a good my way own to learn. website as a playground, right? Yeah. So I just took all the animations. I was like, okay, so this is going to teach me everything I know how to do in React Spring, but to do it in frame or motion just to learn it, right? Not necessarily because I'm advocating for one over the other. It was more or less here. Let's, let's go ahead and, and try this thing out. And at the end of the day, I really liked using it. I really liked uh, diving into it. And I honestly think most of my code is probably better looking right now because of it. Uh, so yeah, Framer Motion, check it out. This this particular episode isn't sponsored in any sort of way. I know Framer, Framer did they reach out to us to sponsor at some point? I'm not sure. Uh, it sounds familiar. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll take their money if, if they want. Sure. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. this is <laughs> right. This is not sponsored, but if you want a Framer, you feel like throwing us some cash or something, you know, yeah. we'll take it. Yeah. Gets got a hat or something like that. Yeah, just yeah, toss toss me a, a couple of somethings. But yeah, no, that that's it. That's all really all I have. I really think the uh, proof is in the pudding for this one, as Wes said. Proof is in the pudding. Proof is in the pudding. Um, gotta try that pudding. It could be delicious. So check it out. <laughs> Framer.com. The API is at forward slash API forward slash motion forward slash examples to see some cool little examples. And again, level up tutorials is gonna be having a course on it this month. Uh, to get a little bit silly at the end there. Sorry. <laughs> get, get as silly as you want. Oh, I did to feel bad about it. I've been feeling guilty. Don't feel about bad, it. Scott. This is our podcast. We do what we want. You just get as silly as you want. <laughs> <laughs> silly season. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Scott for schooling us on Framer, and we will catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Peace. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.